Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. It is Walt. Interesting that you show up, Walt. Well, what a morning it's been for me, and, and Larry has been generous uh, to help me to uh, stay focused. Oh, I'm not Walt. Oh, okay. <laughs> I apologize. It's not Walt. Okay. <laughs> Who is it? Who is guest three? Once again, this is nothing but the trickle of journey to find it. And I found it in the Word of God. And, um, oh, what a journey it's been so far this morning. So. And that's just a big deal about the, the being a father. That's just challenging in itself. But uh, the behavior that I'm getting from quote unquote Christians. Anyways, you know, I was thinking about this uh, before we get going on the reading here. I was thinking about this uh, Pilgrim's Progress and the journey of Christian as he goes to the kingdom of heaven there, or the heavenly kingdom. And uh, all of the snares, the traps, the pitfalls, all the uh, wrong paths to go down. And, and uh, yet, you know, the straight and narrow path is really, in essence, is, is really simple. It's the Lord's name of Jesus Christ, but we mix religion. And then once we get around religious people, it becomes a nightmare. Does it not life? Does life become a nightmare being around? Why do you see that, Larry? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, you know, and it's it's not all a night. I mean, you know, there there are nightmares, and then there's dreams, and then there's good dreams. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes it seems like life is a continual nightmare, but then other times God allows us, you know, some good dreams, you know. Um, we were talking about dreams the other day, you know. Yeah, well, this this, uh, this isn't dreams, though. <laughs> this no. is reality. This is the path. By the way, hello, Canada. Let's see if we have a Canada. Uh, oh, so we got somebody listening from Canada here. I'm not yeah. sure if that's Adiola or that's someone else. But, uh, but hello. Yeah, well, if, if it is Adiola, greetings and blessings. And, and then uh, the same thing to the anonymous Canadian listener, if that be the case. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, life can be very trying, you know. Well, I think it's the, the journey that is uh, being a Christian is, in particular, is a very. Uh, I mean, life life is is uh, hard enough as uh, is for us. This I know for certain for. The, Majority of my life, that's who I was, a man of the world. It's only in the past couple of years that that, that uh, the Lord's got a hold of me and said, "Well, you want a mine, and you're coming, <laughs> you come with me." But um, just uh, the pitfalls that go along with organized religion and all that, and then and then I, I, I am I'm finding that the um, some of the meanest spirited people are those that claim to be Christian. Well, and you know. And, 
I think there's also the aspect of uh, mean-spirited elect people. Oh, that's true, too. What I'm saying is that, you know, we all have, and I'll speak of myself, and I'm hoping, I hope to be, I hope that I'm one of God's elect. I'm hoping that's the case. I hope I'm not reprobate. I hope I'm not a bastard, you know. If I'm a bastard, I sure get chastened a lot. (laughs) That's all I know. (laughs) And usually bastards don't get chastened, you know. So, but anyway, um, you know, there's mean spirits in the elect children of God. Yeah. Well, you know what it comes down to this, to the, uh, the total depravity of man. As much as we like to think that we're really all that, no matter if you're a Christian or not, and the fact of the matter is, it's just the viciousness, the wickedness, and the blindness that we all suffer from. And I, the more and more I realize this, the more and more I realize how they, how an absolutely necess, necessity is for God, God's children to actually stay focused on our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, and, and the Word of God. Not to, you know, not to make ourselves superior to anybody else, but just simply because there's nowhere else to go. That's right. I mean, after a while, when you, once, once a person comes to recognize who he is and whose we are, his we are, that... Uh, there, you're right. There's nothing. There's nowhere else to go. I mean, that's what you know. That's what Peter said. Where, where, where else can we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. You know, yeah. all these other people went away, and Christ looked up to his disciples and said, "Will you go away also?" <laughs> <laughs> and just, uh, yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's a. A fascinating journey, uh, this journey of walking this straight and narrow path of uh, our Lord Savior and uh, where it leads to Him. And just all the pitfalls and all the many things that come along our way. And other things that distract us. Wow, you know, when you said the straight and narrow way of our Lord Jesus Christ, (laughs) I was thinking about all the hairpin curves I've been on the last two days, three days. I mean, when you when you go down to uh, Cherokee Village from Pineville, you go uh-huh. through Eureka you go through Eureka Springs, Arkansas. If you ever go through Eureka Springs, Arkansas, everybody knows what I'm talking about. I'm talking about some of those roads. The speed limit is like 15 miles an hour, and you better not go faster than 15 miles an hour either, or you'll go off the side of a cliff and down, you know, 3,000 feet, 2,000 feet. And, uh, you know, I've often thought about that. It doesn't seem like the Christian path is a straight and narrow way. It seems like it's curvy and bumpy. And, you know, uh, the thing about it is I guess you can have a straight and narrow path that's full of obstacles and rocks and and uh, uh, cliffs. It's just you, you, if you deviate from the straight and narrow way, uh, you're, you're in total chaos. And so, but you're right. I mean that that show, that uh, Pilgrim's Progress book. I remember the first time my mom actually read that book to us. Even though she's a hyper Arminian in her belief, she did read that to us. 
And it had an impact on me. I mean, I, I was thinking in my mind when I was just a kid, when I was hearing that read, I thought, oh, being a Christian's that hard. I don't want to be a Christian. You know? <laughs> I really did. I said, man, if it's, if it's that hard and, and full of that much despair and despondency and all this other stuff, who would want to be a Christian, you know? Uh, nobody in their right mind. Right. Unless, I mean, when I say that, I'm being facetious, obviously, but you don't know. Right. Well, nobody... If you're, a, if, you're a, if you're a man of the world, as I That's was right. all my life, even though I raised a Mormon and went on a Mormon mission in the first half of my life um, uh, on this earth, um, you know, I, it's only... Uh, and I've... I've I've known the Pilgrim's Progress for a, a couple of years now. I, I didn't actually didn't know. I heard of it in passing life, but I never really did much about it. It wasn't until this week that I've been listening to it. And I'm glad I waited because uh, it means it resonates uh, uh, much more to me. Although it's you know the character of the Christian, you know they present him, you know he, John Bunyan presents him as despairing and saddened and. Yeah, uh, beaten down and uh, burden weighed and uh, character, uh, in which it is. But you know, I look at a lot of it. You know, uh, you know, I've already gone through, so I can relate to it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've already done it. <laughs> right. So you, when I've already experienced, I like. It, yeah. So I can relate to the character. Was it something to the future? And in understanding what really it does burden a man and. You know, a lot of it is ignorance of the Word of God. It's actually the ignorance of their of their God. That's well, and also what you what you said there about I would say another way of saying it is the natural the natural man doesn't want to be a Christian. It's not palatable. I mean, the natural man wants everything coming up roses, you know. Well, you know, I have to say, you know, if I'm honest with you, Larry, you know, as a man of the world, you know, all my adult life, I enjoyed my sin. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I never would have left it. God literally, literally had to grab a hold of me and drag me out of it. <laughs> and, and, you know, if he had to bring me down to a point that I would even be receptive with the being, losing everything, literally everything. And but you know that since then you know now you know going down this journey this Christian life and trying to figure even out what that straight and narrow path is but it was there all the time as the Lord Savior Jesus Christ and just staying focused on Him um, you know I, I all those things you know and of course you know I've been weighed being weighed down heavy with this whole idea that I need to join a church yeah and of course you know then I'll like I put you in my life and all this. Part, you know, for whatever. Well, I know why I did is to help me to stay on this straight and narrow path. So, well, I want to say this: don't feel like don't feel like you're the only person that has had that struggle. And Rosette and I have had that struggle regarding joining a church. I mean, it was. I mean, we were uh, we we went through that for a long time. That's why we went to so many different churches. <laughs> Tried to figure out which church we should join, you know, and we we'd go there for a while, and then bam, you know, we can't do this, and 
Well, I yeah. certainly don't want your journey. I mean, your journey is a fascinating one in itself. Uh, you know, folks, uh, uh, Canada here, and those who will listen in the future, people are they're starting to download. There's a new, obviously, there's a new batch of people starting to come to listen to the show. Um, it just takes a while for them to yeah come up yeah. to what's what's being heard here. Uh, you know <laughs> uh, that. Uh, what was I going to say now? You talk about my my journey. You wouldn't want to. Have oh yeah, yeah. So you know, 140 <laughs> some different churches. I don't want that. And I know, I, I know exactly that I would end up doing the same thing that you did. And I think a lot of other people do that. And although you, you know, I think it's time for you to write a new book, Larry. <laughs> no, no, I'm so serious. Not. I'm, I'm not. I'm joking around here. I know. Uh, I think I know. That it's really an important message, especially for those who come into light and are going to be guided by the Lord. This, you know, it's the modern day pilgrim progress journey. This journey of, uh, you know, you know. So uh, when John Bunyan was, he had his own ordeals to deal with, were horrendous in itself, dealing with the Church of England and the political uh, institution and the the monarchy and then all these, uh, you know, trying to keep man from. Uh, being on that straight and narrow path. Turn it down, buddy. Turn it down. Sorry. <laughs> and uh, it's great being a dad. I love being a dad, except just moments like this. Um, but, you know, yeah, here, uh, there's, now we got thousands of different little uh, kingdoms of God on earth, little popes who are all around us trying to tell us what we need to do and how to do it and keeping us from really putting all our absolute faith in Jesus Christ and the Word of God. And I think it would be a very advantageous book at this point to hear that. So if you're thinking about it, I don't know if you're thought about it, but I'm trying to plant that seed in your mind. Well, I, I, I receive it, and uh, I don't discount it. And uh, everything that goes on in the in the mind of God's elect has a reason. So I, I, I won't take that into uh, consideration. You know, I... It's just, but you have you have a tremendous journey too. I mean, uh, I think about you as a 19 year old young man in England, as a missionary on a mission. You know, <laughs> I know it's all people that I knew what the meaning of life is. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. You know, and believing believing that I knew it. Well, you know, part of the problem is, you know, definitely if there was ever a book to write for my end, it would be how easily pliable, uh, which isn't there a character in that? Uh, yeah, it's called pliable. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we are, um, and how easily we are, you know, swayed one way or the other, this direction, that direction. And... Um, you know, as a 19-year-old man, you, you just as they always say, you know, you got it all figured out at that age, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and and I was walking around England thinking I actually had it all figured out. I remember walking down, you know, different streets, you know, with their uh, raw housing and all that, and just thinking to myself, you know, God, I got it all figured out. There's nowhere else I ever want to be but in the Mormon church. Bam! Within... Days, weeks, months, and it was a very short period of time. In the middle of my, my mission, he, I'm in the middle of a, 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 a discussion, and, and my elder companion 
turns to me and asks me what do I think about God, and I'm like, I don't know if I even know him. And that was started the end of that one. I mean, by, by the very end of my mission, I was completely... God is really... I mean, you know, the fascinating thing is God rather had me be a man, a worldly man yeah, yeah. than to be a Mormon. That's fascinating. And that's what I understand. It is in. fascinating. I mean, think about <laughs> it. I mean, he, he put... You know, that that is. That's a really good point. I mean, in other words, God's choice for... You know, Michael Adams was to keep you out of that religion and allow you to go on in the world rather than be further immersed in that that cult, that uh, that mindset. You know, and that's was another. That was a protecting hand. I mean, it was. Uh, you know, and I know it doesn't feel like that. And this, you know, part of this, you know, it, it is part of this journey. Is that the he does. Although, yeah, the experience is not unique. All God's children, it seems, have to go through this, where they have to walk through the wilderness, and most of it, all life tends to not to be most of it that way. <laughs> That's right. So we, we accept that the straight and narrow path is just simply Jesus Christ. And I know that it's, a, it's, it's, annoying for, it's annoying to even say it at times. I hate to say that, Heavenly Father, and my Lord, save Jesus Christ, oh God, forgive me. But I'm still, you know, a re, you know, I'm I'm still a rebel and still rebellious and still uh, totally depraved man. The only difference is is that God and His gracious mercy has chosen a guy like me or you to believe. Yeah, I was thinking you were saying. Yeah, when you were saying that, what went through my mind when you were talking about the rebellious nature of God's elect, I was thinking about Moses, you know. And how he struck the rock, you know, rather than speak to the rock. And then, then you know, God tells him, you know, because you struck the rock, you can't go into Canaan. Now, the question I have is, could God, could God have kept Moses from striking the rock? Of course he could have. But it was God's choice to allow, if you want to put it that way, allow Moses to be rebellious and strike the rock. And it was God's choice not to allow uh, Moses go into the physical land of Canaan. Uh, and I think to show Moses the difference between the physical land of Canaan and the spiritual land of Canaan. Well, isn't Just like, is, is, yeah. is it strike, the striking instead of talking, speaking to the rock, he strikes it. Is there some kind yeah. of spiritual symbology behind that too? Because that's something in a way that's symbolically we do to our Lord Savior as well. Yeah, we're listening to him and reading hand. his word. <laughs> yes, yeah. we do. And isn't this why we end up with all these the Roman Catholic Church and the Eastern Orthodox Church and all and Ar- all the many all, the, all Ar- the Armenian churches? Yeah, yeah, and all the churches. It, even even those that are not say they're more in line with the teachings of the Bible. Inevitably, because men are involved in it, and they have this hierarchical system, and the next thing they want, they want to make money off it, and they want power, and they want to tell other people what to do, and all that kind of, you know what I'm saying? Well, oh, absolutely. I mean, it absolutely. doesn't matter. You could, you could have the whole truth. This goes back to what you're saying about uh, the, uh, you know, the bad behavior of the elect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just like I was saying last night on that call that I did... You know, I mean, 
this striking the rock thing is significant. You know, we're gonna we're gonna do God's service. You know, we're gonna you know we'll build three temples here. I mean, that brochure I got yesterday, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I came up to Weatherby. Of course, I have a mail slot. My maintenance man puts all my mail in my mail slot because I get so much junk mail. Because if I waited between the times I come to Weatherby and Pineville, my box, even though I got a big box, would be completely full. And so, but anyway, I pulled, I picked up this brochure, five color brochure, man, and it says "Help Israel," you know. And I opened up. There's a six page letter in there, and on the back, it's got George Bush, not not Yahoo. I can never say it. He's a Yahoo, all right. And uh, Prime Minister not, Israel, not yeah. And then the ambassador of Israel and uh, all these people, I'm Dr. Bill Bright, promoting this, you know, Help Israel campaign to, to recognize the six million Jews martyred in a book for Israel, you know, money, money scheme, Dr. Evans. And uh, that's striking the rock. That's what it is. You know, in other words, you know, the letter starts out by saying, you know, this is God's help God's chosen people. Help God's chosen people, Doctor Evans. I guess you want some help here, financial help, right? But anyway, that's that's a good point you're making. That's what it's all about. And of course, Moses, he never did go get to go into the land of Canaan, but yet we know that he was at that. He was at the transfiguration. You know, he was in spiritual Israel then. That's for sure. And so when we're when we find ourselves in this physical Israel, in other words, under the law, trying to perfectly keep the Sabbath, you know, trying to set rules for everybody else, you know, uh, trying to, you know, dictate to someone else the way they should live their lives, and we can't even live our own lives, <laughs> you know, uh, we're we're off the straight and narrow way. We're we're on another path, but when we're resting in the grace and the love and the mercy and the completed work of Christ and his atonement for us, a perfect sacrifice for us. We're resting in him and him alone, and that's when we are experiencing spiritual Canaan. And this is, excuse me, it reminds me when I was when I was healthy and going on hikes, long hikes, or when I was on the railroad and you know, going from Toledo to Chicago, and it's just flat, it's flat as can be, that, that one of the flat, flattest and straightest pieces of railroad in the whole world. Hmm. And uh, how bored we would get. <laughs> how bored we would get. It's interesting that God gave me that job, too. He gives me, he's had me, his life goes on, and now, you know, but, you know, focusing on God and, I am doing what did that. you do? What did you do? What did you do on that job? Well, I worked for Norfolk Southern Railroad, and I was a, uh, a train conductor, and we just, just took freight from Toledo to Chicago. I was a oh, interesting, interesting. That were either either you went west or, or east, and I, and depending on which board they put you on, and um, and that's the I went west, so points in between. But anyways, oh. it was really flat, very tedious to be because you had to stay focused. You had to worry about you know, hitting a car, you know, and a oh, yeah. stuff, all that kind yeah. of stuff. So, and it, it's, it is a lot of it's like the straight and narrow path of uh, Lord and Savior. You want to stay oh, focused on Christ, or that is the same way. 
Where did you and learn how to easy, drive? How, where did you how, where did you how, learn where did you learn to drive a train, man? Oh yeah, from Norfolk Southern. You know, they, um, I never became an engineer. Uh, you see, there engineers want to drive the train. Although I have to admit, there are times when the engineer was tired. He said, "Here, here, take over for a while." So, but uh, okay, so you were kind of yeah. like a co, kind of like a co-pilot, or not? I mean, no, I was the guy that got off the ground. I talked to the dispatch. I'm the one. Who oh, I got you. Brakes. You go in the yards. There's, there's a kind of if we did any problems. Um, if we had any problems, uh, I don't know how to get the ground. You know, if there's a break or something like that. A coupling break or whatever. But my point being in all this is, is that how boring and tedious it was going to this path. It was very tedious to take two and a half miles of train, freight train, to, to Chicago. When you, once you got there, you know, that's when everything really, you, you had to stay awake because once you get in the yard, you have to make the brakes and all that, and you don't want to cause accidents and all that. You, know, you talk about mm. millions of dollars of merchandise. Eh. But it, it's same it's kind of the same way with the straight and narrow path with the Lord. You know, it's very tedious and difficult because we get distracted. And there are these side paths. We've got all these different things. You know, if you think about your your guy hiking down the woods, you know, you know you got to stay focused on the path and keep staying on the path. But it's an inevitable that you want to look to the left or the right, look into the woods, see what's going on around you, and uh, oh. We got a siren going off too, huh? It's Wednesday. It's not Friday. Usually, that's maybe we got a tornado coming. All right. Usually, it's twelve o'clock Fridays when they have a siren. Oh. Okay. Uh, and um, but you know what I'm saying? It's, it's the same way, don't you think? Oh yeah. Journey uh, oh. of Christ, and, and this is like you know going to all these different churches, listening to all the different voices, all the little conflicts we have with people. Uh, it all seems to be ways of, uh, in a way, testing us, distracting us to keep us off that straight and narrow path. Uh, because, you know, I, I had the fallen nature of who we are. And because of the fallen huh. nature of who we are, and because of the, our total depravity, we, we want, you know, well, you know, when Adam, before the fall, I imagine, you know, he's walking with God. I mean, they he was walking with God. I mean, it wasn't like he was like thinking about other things when he was with God, right? You know what I mean? Except what God had to say, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, in fact, it even says in the cool of the evening, he walked with God. You know, had fellowship with God, and he, yeah. And then, of course, after the after the sin, and you know, he hid. He hid, and he no longer had fellowship. You know, he knew he'd sinned, and you know, yeah, and that happens for us as far as our God's elect. I mean, we, when we, when we succumb to sin, um, you know, obviously the fellowship with God goes away. Communion goes away until we find ourselves God granting us repentance and then fellowship is reinstated or reconciled, you know, to God. And it's a constant, uh, you know, it's a constant back and forth. Like you said before, you know, this is something I was talking with Jerry about. It was really helpful to me. Is him, you know, I had never been taught this aspect of eternal vital union. In other words, I, you know, as coming up in all these 140 churches and all this, all this garbage and stuff, it was always, you know, you got to get saved. You know, get saved, get saved. You know, and uh, you got to come down and get saved. 
fact is God's elect you know have always have always been loved by by God you know have always been loved by God they didn't know it yet <laughs> they just didn't know it yet you know we've come to the knowledge of the grace of our savior Jesus Christ but we've always been loved by God from eternity past you know just like Jesus Christ was you know begotten eternally begotten by the father you know and if we're in the fa- if we're in the son we're in the father and man once you once you understand that this is not just in this little hundred years we're on the earth, or whether, you know, 70, 80, 90, 100 years we're on the earth, I mean, we've been eternally loved. Before the foundation of the world, that's an eternity. And you, and, and then the question comes to our minds, well, when did God start e- e- loving us? <laughs> well, in eternity. Well, you know, <laughs> think about that one. And then if you want to flip it, when is God going to stop loving us in eternity future? Never. So if he never stops loving us in eternity future, he's always loved us in eternity past. That's mind. That's that's a mind-bending thing. I mean, from a natural standpoint, we can't get our arms around that. And then think about the, the other thought part. You know, I was sharing last night on the call that, you know, when I first started this journey on Sermon Audio, it's amazing when I go back in 2008, you know, uh, whenever the first couple first messages I did, one of them was on uh, reprobations. And, of course, I thought, you know, I'm thinking back, you know, what a way to start. I mean, good grief. It's like, bam, in their face, Larry. <laughs> okay. Uh if I wanted an audience, that's the last thing I would have wanted to start with was reprobation. You know, I would start with a, God is love or something. You know, but that's what—that's where God had grabbed me. That's where He dealt with me. You know, the reality of it is He's got a people that He loves, and He's—he has uh, a people He created. Uh, as vessels of wrath fitted for destruction, whether we like it or not is inconsequential. And uh, the, the, that one passage in Romans is what just nailed me. I'm telling you, Michael, it nailed me where it says the children being not yet born, that's what nailed me, not having done either good or evil. The children being not yet born not having done good or evil. That was before original sin. That's before they were even conceived. Jacob, have I loved Esau, have I hated. In the mind of God, he has his people that he loves, and there's people that he hates. And that's, that is why the doctrine of universalism is so palatable to you know 99% of the world, because they're telling them just opposite. They're saying, God loves everybody. God doesn't hate anybody, you know. It's it's an absolute denial of Scripture. I didn't mean to get off track, but that's that's where it led us to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just try to attempt to do some reading here. My son, all of a sudden, he wants my attention, but we'll try. Well, Maybe you know, we'll quiet him down with this reading. So we'll get into the reading. Okay, Chase, I'm going to read to you now, and I want you to turn that off. 
Okay, here we go. Chapter 11 of John. Now, a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with anointment and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother Lazarus was sick. And therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son Son of God might be glorified thereby. And you just stop me whenever you're ready. Uh, you want to have a comment? Please stop. Okay, <laughs> okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh-huh. Okay, now you know what? Uh, I really believe this. Of course, I know this. Uh, everything is has a purpose and time for every purpose under heaven. But this this morning is for Michael Adams. This particular reading is for Michael Adams because I know that you're sick. You know, you're sick. You have, you know, you really have. Yes. And here you have uh, this proclamation, and I think you can apply it to yourself, Michael. This sickness, uh, now we don't know whether it is unto death for you or not, but the, the point I'm pointing out is, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. That's the reason why you have this sickness. You may not understand that, but that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Um, God has given you a tremendous amount of grace in what you're going through, Michael. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's evident. It's evident. I mean, well, I'm sure. It's a combination of everything, being sick, being alone, uh, being a single father most of the week, being broke. All sorts of things. I mean, it's just like, uh, I mean, last night it was really the first time ever that I've been doing the show. I was just like, I think about doing a show and just pleading for people to help me financially just to get some food and some <laughs> right. you know, vitamin, vitamin supplements. Uh, you're not alone. Thank you, Gestry. But, you know, uh, you're right, I guess I'm not alone. I got my God. And I got folks like you and Larry and the people that, that listen to the show or join in and the people I've met. But it is. I, he has, I mean, all of this for his good, for my good and for his glory. So I recognize that. So, But it's, not, it's, it's, it's more than just being sick. That's what I'm saying. It's like he had to do a lot more. And, there, and I think he does have to do a lot more to get us, for some of us at least, to get really focused on him. Right. What is important? Right. What is important? And uh, you know, first he made me in such a way that I've or allowed me to be such a, a way uh, that this is what I needed. So I don't know. And you know, know you know, I love the way I love the way John writes because you know it's obvious that he's writing so that people will that people will sense an empathy from not only Christ but an empathy from John. To who his audience his audience because you know I'm doing the old problem of jumping forward but when you mentioned that he 
that you know God has allowed this to continue and so on. Notice in the sixth verse it says he abode two days still in the same place where he was. What what's really interesting is it says in that verse six it says when he heard therefore he was sick. I mean he already knew he was sick. Hearing that he was sick, I mean that's John's language. Hearing that he was sick, he abode two more days. No, he it wasn't in the hearing of it that made his decision to abide two more days. Um, he already knew. I mean, Jesus Christ, you know, he's God. I mean, he's omnipresent. Uh, he knows all things. Now, he in the son, you know, people talk about him being the son of man and the son of God, you know. But the point is that he abode two more days knowing he was sick. In other words, right now with with you, uh, he's, you know, I don't, you know, I'm sure there's been times when you thought, well, why is he taking so long to come to my rescue? You know, what, what's going on, you know, God? You know, here I am. I'm, I'm, you've got all these issues. You know, get with the program. <laughs> you know, like, where are you? I mean, you got all this power. I mean, you know, all you have to do is say to the wind, be still, and they'll, you know, come on. I mean, you've got the sh- – where's the showers of blessing? I mean, uh, you know, hey. Well, it, it's turning out to be exactly what I, I need but what I never thought would ever be, <laughs> which is actually to know him. And to actually slowly growing in it, uh, with other true, uh, some of his elect, some of his children, someone like you or whoever it may be, um, it's just a, <clears throat> you know, there's still clothes on my back. I, might, I mean, I might not have been able to buy any new clothes in a very, very long time, but I haven't been able to buy even used clothes for over a year, yet there's still clothes on my back, you know what I mean? Yeah. And now well, you know, I, and- I'm the most unhealthy I've ever been in my life. Physically, yet spiritually, I'm the healthiest I've ever been. There you go. Well, I mean, think about it. In verse 5, he says, Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. You know, I've heard people actually, you know, allude to the fact that if a person was having unbelievable illness in their life, it must be a curse from God. It's some kind of a judgment or something. <laughs> okay. This dispels that. I mean, that you can't, I'm not saying that sometimes God doesn't bring judgment to bring in our physical bodies and stuff like that. But judgment has already been done for the elect, and we have been forgiven. So, you know, he might bring judgment on the reprobate and these things, but it says he loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And, and here, Lazarus was at the point of death, and he loved them. And he didn't he didn't come quickly to their rescue for obvious reasons, like... You know, and so that should bring you a measure of comfort, I think. And I know it brings me a measure of comfort because I've had that argument. You know, people say, you're not supposed to argue with God. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. But you're, you know, I I have. I have. This could, you know, you say, well, you're not supposed to murmur against God. I know it. I know. Knowing that, (laughs) okay, let's move on and deal with reality. Who doesn't argue with God? Who doesn't murmur against God? Who doesn't complain? You know, why me, Lord? You know, what have I ever done? You know, to, to deserve this instead of what have I ever done to deserve even one of the favors I've known? I mean, we argue over what you know, but uh, He loved them. He loved them. Yes. <clears throat> so. Um, um, so 
that was verse 5, uh, verse 6, and he had heard, therefore, that he was sick and abode today. Still, the same place where he was, and then after that said he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. And the disciples said unto him, Master, the Jews uh, late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? And Jesus answered, Are there twelve hours in a day? And if any man walk in in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in night, he stumbleth because there is no light in him. Comment. Comment there. Yeah, well, listen, it's pretty <laughs> powerful right there, too. It's going, <laughs> lots of there, isn't there? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Sim- symbolically, it's just spiritually symbolically, too. And... Well, you know, well, the thing that struck me, uh, strikes me about that is that uh, it is. It's exactly what you're saying. It's a spiritual, he's talking spiritually there. You know, if a man walk in the day, in other words, if a man is in Christ, uh, he's not going to spiritually stumble. Because he sees, you know, he says, I'm the light of the world, you know. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh the Father but by me. And so then he says, if a man walk in the night, in other words, if a person is either uh, an elect sinner or a reprobate, elect sinner as being one who has yet come to a saving knowledge of Christ, he stumbleth because there's no light in him. Now, you know, here's the question that I have, um, and that is uh, speaking, uh, addressing this issue of total depravity and original sin. For the elect child of God who hasn't come to a repentant uh, repentance and saving knowledge of Christ, is there light in him? No, there is not. That's what total depravity is. A lot of the theologians say that there's glimmerings of natural light in the reprobate. No, there is not. He's dead in his trespasses. And John Wesley said that he only had a bent towards sin. But here, Christ dispels that very notion because he said if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth because there's no light in him. And so, you know, that is what total depravity is. Um, Yeah, it's not saying that man is, you know... uh, as totally depraved as he could be, what it says is there's no natural, there's no light in him. He can't. Any, in other words, the plowing of the wicked is is evil. There's there's nothing good in man. You know, uh, you know, people always you know there's just saying right now, and I, I stumble and say it all the time. You know, you know, if I'm in a restaurant and the waitress comes over and says, you know, you want some more coffee? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> no, I'm not. I am not good. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm not good. There's no good man anyway. Go ahead. But one, and the other thing too is, here's his disciples. For some reason, it resonates with me right now. It's his disciples say to him in verse eight, "Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and callest thou thither again?" <laughs> Oh, what is it? What, isn't that interesting? They want you know the rock of our you know <laughs> the corners, the cornerstone of our you know the the foundation is our uh, is our God, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and they want to go stones the stone. 
<laughs> well, yeah, you know, that's, it, it, real, that's, that's, how, that's how, how insane we really are, how fall we bit. And people say, oh, it's the Jews, the Jews. It wouldn't, you know what? You can call them Jews, you can call them whatever. It doesn't matter where they be. It could be, a, you know, if it was, God, his plan was that it would be um, people in Northwest, North America. You know what I mean? Yeah. You call them, you call them Americans. And it, it wouldn't matter. Uh, it'd still be the same thing. We would still try to stone them. And we still try to kill them. Yeah, the point that you're making is here that, you know, did the disciples really understand who Christ was even here? Or they wouldn't be concerned about it. And this goes I mean, back to now this goes back to what we were talking about. In the very beginning when you were talking about Moses and striking the rock. Yeah. yeah. Instead exactly. of speaking to the rock. <laughs> Same thing. It remind, I mean, I would. I have no way of knowing this, but it makes me wonder if Peter wasn't the leader of this gang asking the question again. <laughs> because he was always the leader of the regulator asking the question. You know, what do you think you're doing? Why are you going back into the, the, the very place that people are trying to kill you? In other words, let us, let, let your creation decide what you should do, creator. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Interesting. And uh, I imagine there's more lessons than that to be learned as time goes on. But um, oh, yeah. Uh, verse eleven. And these things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth. Go, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. And then. I then said to his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Albeit that Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he spoken of taking a rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. <laughs> and I am glad for your sake that I was not there to the intent he may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, uh, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. And then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. I got a comment. I, I got a. I got a comment. I mean, there's so much. I mean, you know, it never. It never ceases to amaze me how much spiritual meat is in the Word of God. I mean, it just blows my mind. But, um, you know, eleven. If you sleep, he shall do well. You know, and uh, we all need physical sleep. I mean, we we need it. And they thought. You know, that because he'd been sick, I mean, I, I don't know how many times my mom would used to tell me when I was sick, had the flu or something, well, if you get a good night's sleep, you'll feel better. You know? <laughs> and I think that's, they were speaking from a physical, but he, he, he made it clear that, you know, look, but what's, what's so interesting to me about this is verse 16, because uh, this was after Jesus revealed to him that he was dead. You know, and Thomas is saying, "Let us go. We may die with him." Well, what's up with this guy? 
the same guy that said he'd have to see his hands and feet, and, you know, before he would believe. But I mean, you know, let us go that we may die with. What, what was he in such deep, dark depression, gloom, and despair, and agony on me about? I mean, here, here he was walking with the with the Creator of the universe, you know. And he's wanting he's wanting to be he want he's wanting death. I you know I don't know the I don't know the 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 full implication of that verse. Why he was so down and discouraged and depressed and stuff. Well, it's interesting uh, that you say that because that's how many times have you said it? Maybe or I don't know if you have, but I know you heard uh, many other brothers and and even sisters in Christ. You know, say the same thing. Oh, I have. I uh, just get it over with, God. Beam me up, you know. <laughs> I mean, get this. Yeah. And I know you've even expressed it. I just as soon go be with my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you know. But here's the difference. I mean, we weren't walking with Jesus on the face of the earth. So, you know, your point is well taken because what, what we see here is that even though they were with Christ, they were still experiencing the same kinds of things that we experience when you know and and if we're walking with Christ we shouldn't be any more wanting to die than Thomas was wanting to die and he was walking with Christ physically but I just find that a really interesting and and the fact that Jesus didn't respond to it he didn't even (laughs) respond to it (laughs) he just was he's probably probably shaking his head going yep I know. <laughs> I know. That's the way it is. That's the way it goes. So. Yeah. Um, okay. So. Yeah, we're four days we're already. I mean, he's been been in four days. Yeah. Uh, I wonder why he waited four days. <laughs> oh no. Good question. <laughs> <laughs> It also makes me think about his resurrection. Of course, we have Easter Sunday coming up right here and uh, Good Friday and how none of that seems to gel time-wise, but that's for another discussion. I know. I know. I've, I've wondered about that over and over and over, and you hear all these different arguments and stuff. And you know, Well, it's like another thing. It's like another thing in this journey, this it, the, uh, in, our, in, our, in our journey on the straight and narrow path, like this one more re it's just it's over and over it's just a point, but I just wanna I don't want to accept it. But the message is over and over again that it's me, your Lord Savior Jesus Christ brought follow, not religion. I keep telling you one thing keep pointing one thing after another that there's a problem with organized religion. So but I still it's it's the same, but we don't want to we still wanna we wanna get off the path and, and, and we wanna find a, a a kinder, gentler way, a, a, a shortcut. We do. We all want this. Right, right. right. We do. If I have it, I know everybody else to have it. We do. I'm not and you know, we all. also. It's not just you know. I like the. I like your expression of kind and gentler way, because people want aesthetics. They want to go into a building. They want soft cushions. They want blue or or purple carpet. You know. On the floor, they want they want soothing music. They want Company. they want you know a fellowship dinner afterwards. They want 
you know, in other words, yeah, that's exactly what they're looking for. They want their ears tickled. They don't want to hear the doctrine of of Christ. They want fables, you know. Yeah. Just give us something. Which is really ironic because what inevitably happens because of who we are, the fam, everyone's on the judgment wagon looking for what's right and wrong with each other. Yeah. I I think sometimes, man, that's the reason why God wants things to do it this way where, you know, you're over where you're at and I'm over where I'm at and we're just hearing our voices. Because of who we are, it's an inevitable thing. Doesn't matter who we are. We will judge each other on how we look, how we <laughs> present ourselves, how we communicate, how much wind is coming out of us, depending which end it is, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. <clears throat> Status, you know, all these kind of things. And it's very hard for us to really have these real meaningful conversations outside of doing something like this and Christ directing it. That's right. That's it. I mean, and how can you know, Christ correct it if we're allowing a man to mediate or intercede or get in between us and him? Oh man, that is that is so true. That is so true. And isn't that the real issue? It is. It is. And he will let us have that, and you will get all the rewards of that too. Yeah. Which is a whole bunch of conflict, confusion, frustration. Anger, bitterness towards each other, and in particular the leadership, as and the men inevitably do. Doesn't matter who they are. Doesn't much. Doesn't, doesn't matter how much power a man has, or perceives that he has, or that we perceive that he has. It won't matter. We just it doesn't. It doesn't you know, like it's funny. You're a musician. And I'm. I'm five of a musician and, and bands. But then you know, three three or four piece bands, and inevitably the egos get in the way, the conflicts, the creative differences of the record say and the music world. Oh yeah. Well, you yeah. know what? To think that that would not apply to an organized body of men trying to pretend well playing church that would not happen as well. That men's will would not get in the way. Oh it's yeah. Foolish. It's foolish of us to not think so. And look at the uh, look at. Uh, what it eventually leads to is we go up the hierarchy of man-made, human, man-centered, free-will, Arminius religion, is the papacy. It just gets more and more political, it's more about power, it's more about pride and self itself. We can't help ourselves. It doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We cannot help ourselves. It's just, it's, it's you know... The only hope is Christ. It's all Christ. Yeah, and I think that's, it's one, that's one of that's one of that's one of Jerry's favorite sayings. I love to hear him. He goes, "It's all Christ." You know, Larry. That's all yeah. hope. We, you know, we we don't have a shot. We don't have any. We don't have any hope outside of Christ. And you know what? None. Nothing. 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 You know. <laughs> <laughs> And I think he has to, he puts us in these little isolated uh, journeys so that you know his children seem far and few between. Uh, it's, at least it seems that way to me. But then it's because of the time, you know, it, you know, in a course of a lifetime of seven years, how many people actually he, he calls and chooses that you know I never met five years ago or never will, and 
you know, 10 years from now, whatever, you know, in his right. wisdom. But I think one part of this, obviously part of his wisdom is to, to, to have us to have these, these lonely, perceiving lonely journeys of, uh, but here he's there, he's teaching us in his way, the best way that he knows how to go about teaching us um, so that we can get to a point where you and I could have a conversation, Larry and Michael Adams, or could have a conversation about him, and whether it sounds that way to anybody who listens to this, whether we're praising him and worshiping him, we really are. I mean, we are doing that. So we share a personal experience of life. We realize that there is no hope but him, and uh, what more can a man say? That's right. That's right. And you know what? There's nothing other than our relationship there's nothing other than our relationship with Christ that's more beautiful and comforting than the fellowship of of like faith people like us you know I mean it's a beautiful thing I mean now I I have a question for you and maybe you can help me on this I've I've often wondered oh boy my battery I've got to hold on a second Why, why is this doing this my laptop is uh, did I not plug it in this morning or what? I thought I had it plugged in. Um, no, I didn't. I'll plug it in. That'll take care of that. <laughs> is, your, is your headset beeping? No, my I forgot to plug my laptop in. Oh, now it's, now it's fixed. Okay. Um. Anyway, that'll take care of that. Um. Hopefully, that'll take care of that. Okay. The question I have, I've often, my question is on this, I'd be interested in your thoughts about this, where it says back up in, um, let me get back up here, it's talking about the Jews and that they were going to stone him. Uh, In verse 8, his disciples said, Master, the Jews Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again. And then we look down in... uh, Verse 19, and it says, And many of the Jews came to Mary, Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now, was that the same group of Jews? Or was that any? In other words, you know, now the reason I'm bringing this up is that oftentimes in the Bible, the same term is used, and you have to discern, you can't lump it all together. Okay, there are spiritual Jews and there are physical Jews. I believe that the Jews that came to comfort Martha and Mary weren't the ones that were going to stone Jesus. <laughs> okay. I don't have any proof of that, but I believe that these uh, were, some of them at least, were elect Jews. And Because what, what I have found in my experience is that uh, we know that Martha, I mean, I believe that there's preponderance of evidence that Mary, Martha, and Jesus, and and Lazarus were elect children of God. And generally, reprobates don't go around comforting the elect. Or at least that's been my experience. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I have... Well, you know, he's going, to, he's going to Judea, and there's, there's the Jews, and then there's more. You know, I've, it's, it's, I think that it's a microcosm of the world, isn't it? It's a reflection exactly. of the world. You've got Judea, and you have those who are elect, and the rest of the world are wants exactly. to stone you. And let's face it, that's, they really... In the end of the day, if you, if you the truly hard and hearted, and this is a, another uh, a merciful act that God is doing for us, is that 
if they really had their way, they'd be torturing us right now and pulling out our fingernails and doing all sorts of horrendous things and putting in all sorts of contraptions. And we have a history of thousands of years of them doing just that to his elect. And so is it really a surprise that uh, the the majority of Judea wanted to stone him and only his elect that were out there comforting one of his elect, one of his beloved? Uh, No. I think that's what we're supposed to be doing. I think this is the, the, the dilemma. The dilemma has come with a confusion of doctrine and a confusion of the role of Christ and of the Word of God. You know, you and I, yeah, we're supposed to comfort each other as we're doing this kind of stuff. And as we grow in the faith, we're supposed to you know, help each other out as best that we can. And the best way we can to ultimate is what we're doing right now, really. Right. But uh, as far as, uh, you know, helping out, you know, and, you know, comforting each other in time of need and all that kind of stuff. And how do you comfort them? Well, you know, here's Lazarus and the, the family and all that. And all those, well, it's, you know, there's a better place. You know, he, you know, we know that Lazarus was loved of God, and of our, our Messiah. So he's, you know, you know, how, what better way of comforting that person? I guess you got to deal with the loss and all that, but on well, personal loss. But as you talk it through, you're like, well, well, he's okay. You know what I mean? He's in the right. He's right. to be with God. And you know what I mean? How how else could you? What better way of comforting each other? Right. And you know, there I, is, there I, is I no other we, better way. <laughs> and I I know this has been brought up before many times in, in this discussion around the. Uh, Raising Lazarus, you know, and you know, we're told in uh, Scripture that um, you know when the Spirit returns to God, whom gave it, and uh, we know that uh, Lazarus' physical body was dead, so his spirit was with God. Um, now that's really interesting. So his spirit, uh, I believe, was in paradise, um, and that brings up the question of the omnipresence of Christ. And I know a lot of people would say that Larry's a heretic making this statement, but I've been, I've been accused of a heretic so many times and you know, in all, all reality, we're all heretics. <laughs> I mean, we, none of us have perfect doctrine. You say, Oh, you're justifying your heresy. No, I'm not. Uh, I'm not justifying anything that I say that might be amiss. Uh, I repent of beforehand and ask God to forgive me. But here's my point. You know, Jesus, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Okay, here Lazarus says he's dead. His spirit has returned to God whom gave it. Okay, and here Jesus is walking on the face of the earth, getting ready to bring him back to life, which means his spirit's going to go back into his physical body from paradise. And uh, what was happening in paradise this whole time with Lazarus and his uh, communion with the with with uh, with Jesus. What was happening? Good question. I mean, yeah. What the thing ultimate is, question isn't that what we all want to know? <laughs> Don't we all want to be there wherever that is? It gets got to be right. whatever, whatever we're going through here now. So, yeah. yeah. Isn't that point? Isn't that point of that uh, the big message? I mean, uh, for God's elect, is that there's a better place? There's a better time waiting for us. I think we're that. foolish and that we're being naive or wasting our life by focusing into what will happen after this life. But 
God's made it. Well, I don't. I don't think it is at all. And I think the fact that why would Christ give comfort to the thief on the cross, saying, "This day thou shalt be with me in paradise." This day, not not. Well, yeah, which you know this. Yeah, so if Christ, yeah, this day, I mean, well, if he's, you may remember he's omnipresent, so that's what we say. God is omnipresent. So he's probably everywhere, right? He could be everywhere at once. Yes, he is. I mean, and so when people say, well, Christ never went to hell, wait a minute. Christ is everywhere. You know, Christ is everywhere. I mean, he knows all things, he's, all th- he's everywhere at all times. You know, you say, well, how can that be? I don't know. I'm not God. How do no. I know? <laughs> he he knows yeah. all things. He sees all things. He's everywhere. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's you know omniscient. He's he's immutable. He you know he's him. Yeah. So what what's, what to say at that point? Except to say, well, okay, I'm God. And, oh, excuse me, I'm not God. I'm not God. Excuse me. <laughs> that was the. Uh, that was a little bit of uh, unity coming out of me there, uh, <laughs> uh, um, and that uh, there's how, how can we fully comprehend God? It's interesting. I've been listening and playing the uh, the attributes of uh, of God from yeah, I saw know, that. Hey, and I, I thought I'm finishing it up. I'm glad that gentleman read it. Um, but you know, the more you, you uh, think about it, the more you realize how little we know about God. But we believe, we know, we have to be. There's evidence, something's all around us. We know what's how he's working in our own lives, uh, spiritually. To deny that God does not exist would be absolute foolishness and absolute her- heresy. But there also is this, the same point is one comes to the realization the more one learns of God, the more how little he one knows of God. Right, right, absolutely. And I think that he, he does that to make it more so that there's like a, a yearning for us spiritually to want to be with him again because we want to know about him, which is what he wanted out in the first place. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's interesting. The life. What he's, what he's done, you know, it's, uh, and this, and this, will, this short span of life here. Well, I, I, you know, it goes back to the election thing, too, and, um, you know, those that he hated. And that he's loved, and I, everyone has this great. We all have this. There's a bit of confusion about the pre-existence, right? Right. What is that? Did, did exactly where we we fall and all that? And I think that's, you know, if you're a a bookseller, uh, a marketer, uh, a storyteller, this is fertile ground to make up all sorts of things. Oh, is it ever? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, it has been done too. I mean, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. If you want to make the a buck, yeah, you know, you make up something to you know, uh, take a verse here and there and make up uh, write a four hundred pound, a four hundred, yeah, four hundred pound, a four hundred page <laughs> book on that. You know what I mean? Of all your your notions and others' notions of what it was. So, but it's interesting, you know, because it's hard for us to understand, comprehend. You know, we talk about the. You know, he hated Esau, and he did nothing. There's. A, what does that mean fully? Well, the question is, let's equate that to uh, Lucifer. You know, 
uh, it, he hated Lucifer. Lucifer was a created being, you know, and it says that he was he was a murderer from the beginning that he was created. Christ created Lucifer as a murderer, you know. And I know, boy, people say, oh, you're making God the author of sin. No, God authorized it. What, what is there in the whole world well, that God well, has? If, if you authorize it, that, what does that mean? Anyway, if he's the creator, that means he... You know, he, he's the, the author. author. It's a form of the word. Author and authorized mean the same thing. <laughs> we don't want to admit it, though, do we? We just don't no, want to don't. admit it. No, we don't. We don't want to, we don't want to believe that. Uh, we don't want to believe, but we have to. It, I think in order to understand what's really going on, you know, we look at his history, his story. What is the purpose of life again, Larry? What does the Bible say? Why did God create this world? For Himself. Yeah, to glorify Him. Right. right. And to glorify His Son. And to uh, demonstrate. Who he is, right? I mean, uh, I'm not going to say it in theological terms very well yet. But before I can figure out this point, the only reason why we're here, although we like to think otherwise, we like to think we're here because of ourselves and what we can get out of this life. Uh-uh. <laughs> the only reason why we're here is to demonstrate. His divinity, his power, his greatness, and you okay? Good. And um, to glorify him, right? Yeah. And, I mean, and I'm not saying it completely here now because you can look at the elect and the non-elect. And why, you know, I, I was thinking about last night. Here's my, here, why me, God? I got a brother who is uh, Eastern Orthodox. And his journey has led him to this this bondage, this ensnarement of being a, a religious zealot. And then my sisters were very, you know, married to a religious zealot that goes every morning to mass and Mocat. Wow, wow! That's and my mom, the Mormon, and here I am. And this whole story, you know, why and all all this happening, you know, well, you know. Probably the best best verse, or my favorite one of the one of the, my very most favorite verses in the whole Bible, uh, which we've read multiple times before. You and I uh, is uh, Colossians one sixteen. You know, I mean, it answers the question that we're addressing. For by Him, meaning Christ, were all things created that are in heaven. That includes Lucifer. That are in earth. That includes Esau. You say, well, why are you focusing on the negative? Because you know what? If you focus on the negative, you can deal with the positive. Okay? For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. Now, sometime if you want to do a real interesting study, think about the things that were invisible that he created. That's another issue. But okay, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions. Why does he make a distinction between thrones and dominions? Because there are a lot of, of there are a lot of very powerful people that don't sit on thrones. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities. 
you look up the word principalities, you get your boat loaded on that one. Principalities or powers, all things were created by him, and then it answers the question why they were created. They were created for him. They were created for him. That's why they were created. They weren't created for us. Like you said, they weren't, cre- you know, none of this stuff was created for man. None of it. Although it's the complete opposite that the world wants to tell us. That's right. and, and, religion, and the religion, the religious world wants to tell us that. That's and right. the religious folks want to tell us that. No, I created all this for us. Well, oh, yeah. and, direct, and, and directly it is the case, but no, no, really, he created for himself. That's right. He says he will not share his glory with another. You know? Right. So, yes, you know, he, he is, a, you know, uh, yeah, it's a hard thing for us to comprehend. <laughs> you know, because we want, we, we've been conditioned, we want to, to believe that this God is some kind of lovey-dovey guy, you know, fellow that uh, is out there just um, for everybody's well-being good. That's but right. no, uh, but yes, but no. You know, it's one of those things. No, ultimately, it's for his uh, his glory and his purposes. And yes, in his mercy, he allows the rain of you know um, causes the rain of the just and the unjust and the wicked and the you know the the, the elect and the unelect or the the reprobate. But you know, you look at this world the way it is. And how many people do you know that were on the top of the, the, the heap, whether it's the top of a religion or a corporation or, you know, um, this, they have all these material things. And it's almost like uh, God is, a, well, he's allowed it. That a lot of times it's a reprobate who, who benefits the most in this world. Materials. That's right. That's absolutely right, you know. I mean, and why? It, it why has, is that? Why is that? You know, as the children of God, you know, what has to ask the question? Why? Inevitably, you're going to ask it. Why? Why not us? And he knows well, yeah, and I think that the the key thing is we have to constantly remind ourselves that we're we're not home yet, and one of these days we're going to be able to see the total. Uh, glory of our Lord, evidenced in Revelation 5, verse 12, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings. And every creature which is is, uh, in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. You know. That that's 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 where it is. I mean that's what that's how that's what we're going to spend eternity doing is saying worthy is the Lamb that was worthy to receive glory and honor and power and wisdom and so on. And people, you know, it's just the like you said, it's just the opposite on the earth. People want exaltation of the creature self-esteem you know self-actualization uh you know hey you know let us you know let us uh set all of our goals and decide how much money we're going to make and you know how many times 
I know I know some people that I know that are retired. You know, before retirement, they set up, you know, how much money they were going to have for their retirement so they could spend all day out on the golf course, which I wouldn't want to spend one hour on the lousy golf course knocking a ball around trying to get in a little hole, you know. I mean, it's just it's 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 absolutely mindless. But you know, that's what people enjoy doing in the natural realm. You know, going to uh, an opera and listen to some woman or man sing. You know, stuff that you don't even understand. And a lot of people don't even understand the language they're singing in. Going to a Roman Catholic church and hear Latin, and a lot of people don't even know Latin. You know, in other words, living in a in a in a in a in a state of unreality, so that you don't have to really come to grips with uh, the fact of of what what reality is, which is in this earth realm, just 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 a just a little blank, just a little period on a piece of paper compared to eternity. You know, uh, yes. that's the, you know. Well, you know, it is interesting. It, 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 when you talked about golfing and stuff like that. Now, I just bringing it up makes me think, you know, of the the sad st- uh, state and affairs of of humanity. That yeah. really, you know, you know these men they chase after a piece of paper and all the things that it brings them and a ball. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what does that really mean? I mean, is this the best? That, really, this is uh, some of the best that man can do. I mean, man's. I mean, the headline news, the top story in Yahoo.com is about the new robots. <laughs> Huge, these new uh, fleshy-looking, realistic robots. And, uh, and and the headline, I think, was like, the future of sex. Wow. But that's the that you know, all, you know, the other thing that seems to be, the more and more you talk about all these things of the world and what things are, what man can do, it's just a reflection. It's a manifestation of their of our depravity. Right, right. This is the, this is going to be the ultimate game, the ultimate goal for many a man in this world, debased person. Is well, you know, since we can't get along with each other very well, what we'll do is we'll end up creating the person that we want ourselves. Play God, and we'll give ourselves a robot where we they can <laughs> satisfy us. We'll. I mean, we're really they'll probably kinda... they'll probably have programs to program these computers so that make makes you know the the clones will be compatible with your personality, and so they'll put in all the different personality types and your interests and your desires and your you know your favorite colors and your you know all of this stuff so that you will get just what you want, right? <laughs> well, yes, that's exactly what they want. It's, it's pathetic, and they got this very realistic woman and pretty little blonde, pretty blonde and perfect proportions and all that. And I'm just thinking to myself, are we really gone this far? And we have all this far. By the year 2050, <clears throat> you'll have your ideal. This is what they're thinking about that your ideal. Mate. Mate. Yeah. We can't get it ourselves. And the reason we can't get ourselves, the world can't get us, because they don't have God. I mean, to have a a God, you have to have a God centered marriage. At least one of you has to be faithful to the best. And, uh, you know. It reminds me of that song, you know, I think it was like 70s. 
uh, in the year 2525, if man is still alive, you'll pick your son and your daughter too from the bottom of a long last tube, yo, yo. <laughs> you know, but go to that. I mean, sometime, you know, if the listeners do, go to YouTube and put in the year 2525 and listen to that song. Because you know what? It, you know, Alvin Toffler and, you know, 1984, which was a long time ago, Future Shock and all this stuff, you know, it's all. Basically, I mean, it's here, folks. I mean, it, it's, it's you know, just like this. Yesterday, I came back to Weatherby, and there's a lady that lives in this area, and her mother uh, uh, is is brain dead. You know, she's still on equipment. And they, they, were, they were already taking the organs out of her body to donate to science before she's even dead. I mean, there's something wrong with this picture. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they can actually go into somebody and take out their organs while they're still physically, their heart's still beating and stuff like this. I mean, our society is sick. We're sick. I mean, would we, would we well, do... It's not just society, mankind itself, that we're sick. This is all about how debased and how corrupted we really are. Yeah, it, it's not... It we're seems not, to be a know, we're, not, we're not sick, we're dead. We're, we're totally... You know, like you said earlier, we can't help ourselves. We can't help ourselves. <laughs> oh my, where were we at, man? I, I forgot. We really got. We kind of. That's okay. It's a long. It's a long chapter. We're probably, we're probably going to end the recording, but we can still continue. Yeah, but let's, we can continue on. Um. Well, yeah. Um. Just thinking. Let me see how many. Yeah, it is a long chapter. We probably ought to. Maybe we can continue this uh, chapter um, for another time. You know, uh, just help me remember where we left off, so that when we start, you know, the next time I'll I'll know where we need to be. But um, I, I find that really interesting. I do want to talk about one verse before we we conclude, where it says, <laughs> verse twenty one, Martha said unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. <laughs> No. In other words, didn't she believe that God was omnipresent? I mean, God was there all the time. He knew exactly what was going on. I mean, he didn't have to come there. I mean, we have accounts of other times when that chief ruler said, you just say the word, you know, it'll be done to my son. And that very hour, he was he was healed. But here it shows, you know, where her faith, you know, God had not given her the same amount of faith that he gave that person. And remember Christ said regarding that person, I have not seen such faith in all of Israel, you know. But that faith came from God. But here, Mo, here Martha says, you know, Lord, if, if we'd been here, you know, you, you, my brother wouldn't have died. I mean, <laughs> think about it. I mean, it's also, you know, we see earlier that God, but Jesus said the reason he died is that, that I might be glorified. And so yeah, maybe we should finish before we, we, we actually came yeah. up, we should finish reading the rest yeah. of the up to the the resurrecting of uh Lazarus. Yeah, that that would be good. Well, yeah, go yeah. ahead, man. So yeah, we'll go back to um Yeah. Where we'll start well you just mentioned that so the uh twenty two but I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. And Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. And Martha said unto him, I know 
that he shall rise again in the resurrection of the last day. And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection, the life, and the life. He that believeth in me, though he, he were dead, yet shall he live. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And she said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had said so, so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master has come and called for thee. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. <laughs> and the Jews then which were with her in the house and comforted her when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled and said, Where have ye laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. I got to take this whole set, right? Yeah. Well, there we see <laughs> how that, you know, Jesus as the Son of Man had great, great empathy and sensitivity for the physical nature of man and how that he can rela relate to us in our physical, natural, fleshly bodies. You know, he groaned within himself. The son of man, you know. Right. What a what a distinction, yeah. 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 Well, yeah, uh, so, uh, that was my son's mother's. Anyway, yeah. uh, Jesus wept and went said to the Jews, Behold, how he loved him. And some of them said, Did not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? And Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and stone laid upon it, and Jesus said, Take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh. <laughs> <laughs> for he hath not been dead, he hath been dead for four days. And Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? 
and they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I know that thou heareth me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a long voice, Lazarus, come up forth. And he that was dead come forth, bound hands and foot with graves cloths, and his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen these things which Jesus did, believed on him. But some of them went their ways, the Pharisees, and told them what things Jesus had, had done. <laughs> then gathered the chief priests and the, and the Pharisees and the and a council and said, What do we? For this man doeth many miracles. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him. And the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. This is so prophetic. <laughs> and on one of them named Cepheus, uh, believing, being a, a high priest, that same year said unto them, "You know, ye know nothing at all. Don't consider that it, it is expedient for us that one man should die." Or the people, that the whole nation perish not. And this spake he, not of himself, but being a high priest that year, he prophesied that. I just. Uh, he prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation, and not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. Powerful verse there. Yeah, it is very powerful. (laughs) Well, I think I'll just read this through and then we'll go through it. Yeah. Um, uh, Where are we at? Okay, so uh, then from that day forth they took counsel together for put him to death. And Jesus therefore walked no more openly among the Jews, but went thence unto a country near to the wilderness into the city called uh, Ephraim, and there continued with his disciples. And the Jews' Passover was nine at hand, and many went out of the country up to Jerusalem before the the Passover to purify themselves. Then sought they for Jesus and spake among themselves that they stood in the temple. What think ye that he will not come to the the feast? Now both the chief priests and Pharisees had given a commandment that if any man know where he were, he should show it that they might take him. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. And once again, you're talking now about religious men. 
the religious hierarchy, how God used them to fulfill his purpose in their wicked hearts and their own self-desires of uh, self-preservation in order to reveal his uh, divine purpose. And um, isn't it interesting how we we cherish the body, the physical body, so much. But in the end, it's nothing more but a stinking, rotting corpse. And the only thing that even gives any of us any life is God. That's right. That's exactly right. So, and, uh, well, I think that it's really interesting here uh, what he says here about uh, and uh, he said, if, if, if not unto thee, this is what Jesus is saying in verse 40, said I uh, not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe thou shouldest see the glory of God. And um, even in their, even in him in their presence, they still could not believe fully. And, and so, again, like you know, it's it's almost like it's in some ways because we God gave us His Word and and. and and it's got a hold of us and the spirits in us, we, we can believe this. Much right. easier. And you know, so, you I know, think also, also, you know, there's another, there's a, you know, that the miracles were done to show the glory of God, which increased people's faith. So God uses different things to increase our faith, including these miracles that he did, including events that he brings to, you know, about in our lives, <laughs> including, uh, you know, blessings that he bestows upon us. You know, all of these things he does for the elect's sake to increase their faith. You know. And he also brings certain things into our lives to test our faith, to to cause us to question these things about himself. But the the questioning in and of itself is usually followed by just further evidence that answers our questions. <laughs> you know, the, the reality of of who Christ is. Well, I. Um... I certainly uh, uh, feel very blessed that you shared this morning with me, Larry. Uh, well, I, I was very blessed. Uh, I was feeling a little down and a little agitated, and amazing. And some of the best, well, the best medicine so far I found has been the Word of God. Oh. Oh, something's going on there. What happened there? Where he dropped off. And uh, oh, you are you are a lot breaking up there. It's probably a good time to end the recording though. So, but this has been Larry Phillips, my good friend in Christ. I'm going to end this now before it gets too bad, as far as recording goes. 
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.